So the question is, how do women like us, age 50 plus, and dealing with high blood pressure, high blood sugars, and rising cholesterol levels, how do we keep our health numbers under control while we're trying to squeeze all the goodness we can from our life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I uncover the secrets of living a plant-based lifestyle, including how to avoid taking medicine simply by eating whole foods, shed the extra fluff around your middle without being hungry or joining a gym, make big lifestyle changes even if you think you have no willpower, eat food you love with no portion control. Let's get your doctor to say, wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. All this without meds or restrictive dieting. I'm Robin Wong, and welcome to No Pills, No Hunger. Hey everyone, welcome to No Pills, No Hunger. This is Robin Wong. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And uh, the summit is underway. I'm so excited. And Uh, If you've had an opportunity to watch any of it, I hope you're enjoying the speakers and all the information they're sharing and the insight and motivation. And if you're not, um, haven't signed up, you can still sign up during the summit. Uh, It will run until July 1st. Actually, it'll run, each day runs for 24 hours unless you purchase an all access pass. So if you wanna watch it for free, Uh, Day one is done, Um, day two will be underway and you'll have 24 hours and then day three will run for, you know, starting on July 1st and it'll run 24 hours till July 2nd. So there's still time if you go to uh, t2dwomensummit.com to sign up and yeah, it's, it's so exciting. I've actually had some really nice emails from people reaching out that have um, watched it so far and are just really liking it. So that makes me feel super great that information is getting into people's hands and maybe will make an impact in their lives and on on diabetes. So with that said, uh, let's move into what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, As you know, uh, we're working our way through the uh, intuitive eating principles. And we've covered uh, three of them. You know, the first was to reject the diet mentality. And then the second was to honor your hunger. And the third one was to um, make peace with food. And really intuitive eating is about um, changing your relationship with food and um, really becoming an intuitive eater. And so really taking a hard look at our ideas around food, our habits around food, uh, where those come from, why we have them, why we have this dialogue in our head about food, and really reframing so much of it and really tuning into our bodies. And you'll often hear about mindful eating. It's very similar to, similar to intuitive eating. It's that whole idea of tuning into why you want food, what food satisfies you, when you're hunger and fullness cues are happening. And it's really interesting. I just had this thought at dinner tonight. I I was really hungry, worked all day and got home, made some uh, great brown rice with stir fry and it smelled so good, nibbled on the carrot as I ate. And, you know, as I cooked, sat down and I was all ready and called my family and I ordered, I, I served up a big bowl 
of, you know, rice with vegetables on top and it has tofu in it and all these different colors and, oh, it's just so good. And I kind of started eating and realized as I was eating that I'm, I'm full already. And so my husband was just starting to serve his plate. And I said, oh, do you want to finish mine? Because I, I just, I'm full. And I said, I thought I was way hungrier than I actually was. And he's, of course, he took over my meal and um, finish, is finishing it and will probably eat even more for himself. But it really occurred to me that's really what intuitive eating sort of is. You know, in my mind, I, and this from the sights and the smells and the sound, you know, all of the cooking and, and everything, I was hungry, but I wasn't as hungry as I often am. And so it was really, I served my um, bowl. Usually I serve less and then come back for more. And I just served the wrong amount. It was too much. And so fortunately, I, I would have saved it for tomorrow. But unfortunately, fortunately, I have um, a husband that will eat it for me. So anyway, it's, it, that's sort of what it looks like. And, I'm, and, and some days are better than others, I got to tell you. So just know that uh, it's a work in progress. And some days I, I overeat just like everyone else. And it's a very human thing. I mean, you don't always get it right, but you're, you're working toward that. You're working toward understanding what your body needs at every given time. So with principle four, as we're, we're going to kind of dive into a little bit now is, is to challenge the food police. And this has added meaning uh, when you have type two diabetes because, and, or when you even go plant-based. Okay. So if you're doing both, you have diabetes and you're going plant-based, all of a sudden everybody comes to, becomes the food police. All right. Uh, they'll be quick to point out that, you know, if you have diabetes, you shouldn't be eating that. Or if you are now a plant-based eater, are you sure that doesn't have milk in it? Or are you sure that doesn't have this in it or that in it? And, oh, you know, there's probably chicken broth in that. I mean, things that, you know, you maybe hadn't thought of or you had and said, you know what? I'm doing the best I can today. I'm going to live with that that indiscretion. Uh, but it's really fascinates me that as soon as you make a change, people are all up in your business. Okay. And uh, where before, if you've been eating cruddy food they really didn't they really didn't care if you were eating like them i should say they never question it at all but as soon as you're doing something good for yourself or something different than the norm that might be in your circle people really are hypercritical of it um, many are just curious but often people want to find fault because when you start doing something good for yourself people um, get defensive. Okay. Not everyone, but often people will. And if you just really start recognizing that and just say, you know, I don't, it's all good what you guys do. I don't really have an opinion. I just want to, I'm trying to do something for myself and people don't like it, especially if you start to lose weight, you know, um, people get really envious and jealous about that. And instead of cheering you on, they want, they start tempting you as foods that you, you really don't want to eat. So just be aware of that. And so with the food police, it happens externally like that, where people will be saying, isn't that a carb? Don't you have diabetes? You, that has sugar in it. You shouldn't be eating that. And, and you know, you have to really trust that it's coming from a place of um, caring. They really care about you. 
but they are misinformed sometimes, you know, and they're maybe operating off of some of these false assumptions about how you should manage your diabetes that are outdated. All right. To just know that and just say, you know, I, I'm trying this method and it's working for me. And, you know, I can always go back and eat that food if I choose to, but right now I don't choose to. And it really becomes this whole choice around it that really people don't get. It's like, because you're not being driven by these food choices, you're making healthy choices for yourself. And it's a form of self-care that many people aren't, don't do for themselves. So um, they want to find fault with it. But the food police in the context of this workbook, the intuitive eating workbook, really talks about the food police that live in our own heads. So, um, you know, these rules kind of that have come to us from years of dieting or maybe um, things that, you know, our parents taught us about food. If you were maybe overweight as a youngster, uh, maybe you went on your first diet as a youngster. Sometimes that happens. Um, you know, you start developing these rules around food and they become kind of the food police. And so, you know, it, it's really, they're kind of man-made ideas, okay? Because when you think about a baby, they come into the world just eating, you know, breast milk or milk and they kind of just are filled with instincts and emotions and food is just food for them. And as we grow up is when we start kind of, Im, you know, imparting these meanings onto food and these, um, we start having a belief system around food, just like many other things that we have belief systems around, right? I mean, if you think about uh, politics and religion and um, all these other avenues in our lives, you know, you develop a belief system and it's influenced by your environment and people you know and what you've read and education and just experience at some level. And it's the same around food. OK, so, um, you know, with dieting, um, you know, sort of may, becomes this ritual of demonizing food sometimes and really causing guilt around foods that might bring you pleasure. Um, when in fact, you know, if you were eating them, these foods intuitively, you would eat them, um, without guilt, without emotion and just for sheer pleasure and probably eat them not to excess. Okay. They would just be a pleasurable food that you'd eat small amounts with. But when we start adding in all these other things, this deprivation and restriction and things you can't have, it's a bad food. But when you sneak it and you break the rules and you do have it, then you overeat it. Okay, you see where I'm kind of going with this? It's, it's a big, it's a very deep <laughs> um, well that we have dug around um, these foods and around our behaviors around food. And so that's what we're trying to kind of dredge down in and get to the bottom of it, Of you know, because when we go back and heal that, then you can start rebuilding your relationship with food. So like I said in, the, in other um, podcast, you know, when I work with clients, this is, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty long process. So this is everything I'm sharing with you is at a very high level. And it's really just to give you an introduction into the whole idea about intuitive eating. So you start becoming kind of aware of the concepts and, and some of them that you can apply, you, you can apply to your own life a little bit. So, um, so really, you, you know, think about your thoughts around food because, uh, 
we all have them. Uh, I, you know, I, I know I did. There were certain foods that I was like, oh, I can't eat that. It'll, you know, it'll make me fat, you know, or it'll add weight. Or if I have that cookie, I'll have to go jog an extra mile, you know, um, you know, in the early days when I was managing my weight that way. And so, you know, just kind of look at, you know, evaluate your belief system about food and, and your body. Okay. And that's kind of, and there's a list of, um, that often you'll hear from people. It's like protein's the best food group. And so people really eat a lot of protein. You hear this a lot when you're becoming plant-based, a lot. Okay, so this this is a, um, a common myth that is really given to plant-based eaters as you know why they shouldn't be plant-based because they're gonna have a protein deficiency if they do that. And, you know, and I can assure you in the U.S. especially, uh, protein deficiency is not a problem we have, <laughs> okay? Um, it's very rare. Uh, our issues we have here are almost uh, overnutrition, okay? We have, um, we have malnutrition, but that's because they're not eating enough fruits and vegetables and whole grains and eating um, nutritious foods. We're eating a lot of calories that don't have a lot of nutrition, right? So there is a malnutrition issue um, but it's from overnutrition, which is really a, a quandary. It really is. Um, so some of the other um, belief systems about food are that, you know, fats and food will, are fattening and will make you fat or our carbohydrates are unnecessary to eat during the day or um, we, I should never eat foods with, you know, white flour or sugar, uh, you know, the whole rage around avoiding gluten. And there are some people that need to avoid gluten, but just the amount of people that don't eat gluten. And one of my clients who has type two diabetes, she was avoiding gluten. And I, when I started working with her, I'm like, are you celiac or you have a gluten intolerance? And she said, no, just gluten is bad and it makes me bloated. And I was like, oh, how did you discover that? And so we started working together and over time um, really her bloating was more from um, the processed food she was eating and the um, lack of fiber in her diet. So when we did those two things and stabilized her blood sugars, the bloating went away and she was back, you know, she was eating whole grain pasta and potatoes and carbs. So the idea of no carbs and the idea of no gluten um, really was falsely a, a false belief she had. Okay. So, you know, people, other people have tried it and they recommend it. And so if you, you try it, so really question where you're getting your information. Um, you know, people believe that diets are the best way to lose weight. Um, that's another false belief. And, you know, you, you know, people believe that they have to be a certain body size to have success in life, whether that be finding a partner or the perfect job or, becoming an actress or, you know, whatever it is in your world, they equate being skinny and a certain um, size as to success. And, um, you know, I, I think we kind of want to work on that too, that whole belief system, okay? Because there are many times that people have lost weight and have wanted to lose weight and then done that and expected their, their life to be very different and it's not, it's just the same life. There isn't a different body size, right? And so um, it was very disappointing for them. 
So I, I really want you just to examine your thoughts, okay? And, and really think about how that food police is in your own brain and, uh, you know, really challenge that because when you can know what those thoughts are, then you can reframe those thoughts and, and um, you know, have them be more positive, okay? And so, and that's, you know, there's a, something called cognitive behavior therapy that uh, works pretty successfully. I think um, therapists use it and it's that whole, um, you know, it involves evaluating your thoughts and reframing them and really questioning um, this distortion around that of these thoughts that happens with the, you know, the food police of like, you know, I, I shouldn't eat carbs, you know, I shouldn't eat carbs. I, and this happens a lot with people with diabetes. I've got to avoid carbs. They're going to spike my blood sugars. Um, and so, you know, really saying, okay, should I really never eat carbs? I mean, let me really look at that question because what I know about carbohydrates is that carbohydrates are needed for my body to function. They're the, the primary glucose source. My brain only runs on carbohydrates and that's what goes into my muscles for fuels, glycogen and all these things, right? So when you start really questioning, it's like, okay, so that, that idea that I should never eat carbs really isn't valid. You know, I'm making it bigger than I, it really needs to be, right? So you, you're really questioning that and really digging down into it and saying, is that really a reasonable thought? Okay. Or maybe um, it's like, you know, you could even ask yourself, well, if I don't eat carbs, how do I feel? Really checking in with your body is being curious. Do I feel weak? Do I have enough energy? <coughs> you know, all those things. So, and then you kind of reframe it and say, oh yeah, I remember when I haven't eaten carbs for a while, I have more cravings. And you really kind of reframe that, okay, I guess maybe carbs you know, certain, maybe it's okay to eat that apple, which, which is a carbohydrate. Maybe I just really need to avoid the donut or the, um, the simple carbohydrates, but complex carbs are fine, right? So you're really being more rational about it and logical and really questioning that first thought that comes up and you're reframing it. So, um, you know, I just think that, um, Part of it is just listening to your thoughts and understanding them and then being curious about them. Okay. It's this whole process of being curious and then saying, is that really a valid thought? Is it? Where did I even come up with that thought? Why do I think that that's a bad food? You know, why am I calling that an off limits food? Is it because just the sheer calorie content? Because I can tell you, um, or the sugar content, because you think about dried fruit, all the fiber that's in that, all the nutrients that are in that. And then you look at the sugars maybe and it's like, oh yeah, I shouldn't be eating that. Well, it's dried fruit. I remember one time someone told me, I can't, I can't eat a banana um, because it's got X amount of calories. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's a banana, you know? And you know that the diet mentality has got the best of you when you're questioning whether or not you can eat a whole banana or not, right? I mean, it's, it's nothing but goodness. Um, maybe if only if you like bananas, but um you know, so anyway, that's that's what I'm trying to get. At. You just really question the validity of your thought and and question where did I even come up with this? Did someone tell me this? Did I read it in in um, the Reader's Digest? Where did I get my source? And um, what? How valid is this? So when you start questioning your own food police and really being comfortable in the fact that um, 
look, it's just food. I'm attaching this, this meaning to it, this emotion to it, all these things. And you can really start repairing that, um, that, um, relationship with food. So I'm going to stop there. There's a lot of information and it's a lot of thought for you to have to kind of, you know, start challenging that. So you have your own food police and then you have the outside world food police. So it's a lot of policing going on. Okay. About food when really you just want to sit down and enjoy your food. Right. So, and I hope you do. I hope we can get to a point where it's just, you can be confident about your food choices, be confident about knowing the best way to fuel your body and your diet, you know, take care of your diabetes. And, um, you know, the best way I know is to really eat whole foods. And, you know, if that means you eat less meat with more beans and legumes, you know, legumes and, and lentils and, and for your proteins, and then you eat fruits and vegetables and whole grains, it, it's such a healthy way. Um, your body loves that food. And so um, you'll just feel better and better if you eat that way. So, Hope this helps. As always, I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in today. I know there's about a million ways you can spend your time and I really do appreciate that you spent some time with me. Thank you. If you got something out of this episode and know someone who would also appreciate it, make sure to share it with them. We are all trying to get healthier in order to live well, and you can show them you care about their health by sharing these messages. Want to start improving your health today? One place I like to start with clients is breakfast, since morning habits are the easiest to build. That's why I created a guide called Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugars, which includes easy, delicious recipes for my favorite meals to start the day. Pick it up today for free at page.nutritionwithrobinrdn.com forward slash guide or click the link for three breakfasts to lower blood sugar in the show notes. Thanks again and see you in the next episode.